0: Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better.
1: Uh, We we thought it would be important to have a conversation today. We're in this series, uh, Mama Knows Best, if you've been with us. And this is the last part of our series. Um, and we thought, with everything that's been happening in our country, everything that's happening in our communities, um, and, and, and then you put on top of that two horrific shootings that happened, one in Buffalo, New York, and this week, this past week, in Uvalde, Texas, that just rocked our nations. I don't know about you, but this whole week, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't really find peace in my heart. Uh, things were unsettled. Every time you know you go to see the news, there's new things coming out, and then there's something particular about uh, tragedy with children that just affects all of us. Uh, tragedy affects us, affects all of us regardless, but something about that specific thing and uh, that just it, it rocked us to the core. Like we we were just shook. How do we talk to our kids? How do we how do we, how do, how do we move, what do we do as a church so interestingly enough the last part of this series had a lot to do with our response what should we do as christians uh, what should we do as as followers of christ and if you're not a follower of christ if you're here visiting because you need peace or you know you're watching because you feel like man i need i need something in my life because these these days haven't been peaceful Um, we're going to talk about what a follower of Christ is meant to do so that our communities heal, so that our communities can grow, and so that we can know, not that we're going to have it all together, but we can know the way in situations when, when life is great and when we are faced with difficult, difficult moments. So, for those of you who didn't grow up in church, uh, you're coming to Christ, you're coming to, to follow Jesus, might have been involved because you, you were seeking transformation. You desired some kind of transformation on the inside, and you came to terms with the fact that you needed to connect to God. You needed, you needed s- your spiritual life to be in order so that you could uh, find a way, so that you could be full, so that you could be complete and find freedom. So a lot of your relationship with God is connected to church, connect groups, and if it's in this church, Sundays. Um, But for those of you, or for those of us who grew up in church, the the coming up was a little bit different because you probably saw it modeled at home, especially if your parents were serious about it. You saw prayer modeled at home. You saw Bible study modeled at home. You, You had an example, and then church came alongside to support that. Church life, church friendship, kind of like became the social element of something that you saw modeled in the house. But whether you had parents, grandparents, they modeled that to you. There came a point in your life, all of us here, where your relationship with God became your own. You either broke away from the traditions of your Christian family and maybe not completely, but you had to make it your own. Or you discovered it yourself, right? You, you came to Christ yourself, and you set a new standard for your family. So we wanted to sit down today to have a conversation on what do you do next? Because you can have a relationship with God and, and be growing in Christ and, and, and have your spirit be renewed and, and, and continue for years. But there's a next step. Of course, you're going to keep improving. Of course, you're going to keep uh, your devotion to God and pursuing. So, it's so interesting because that's exactly what the mothers that we are going to highlight today uh, addressed. And this is, we're we're highlighting two mothers today from the scripture that changed their city through their example. We know for sure that it was at least their city because... The son, the grandson, became a local pastor, and, and he's part of the heritage of the gospel in the early church. So these are the two moms. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Do you want to read that, honey?
0: Sure. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, Emma, and your mother, Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control.
1: So power, love, and a sound mind, or power, love, and self-discipline. There are different uh, um, translations for that last part, right? But this is a a quintessential Christian scripture. That if you spend any time in church, you'll learn God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, we are living in an age of fear. And in many reasons, it's the logical response to what we have faced in the past two years and what we're facing as a nation because our nation is sick. We are sick. Our soul is sick. And that's a reality. There, it doesn't take a lot for us to realize that. What I think it's interesting in this passage here is that Paul is saying... I prayed for you, Timothy. He's writing to this young disciple. I laid my hands on you, and I called the gift of God that was in your life already. So I want you to fame that in the flame. But remember, you're not a stranger to faith. The faith that is in you, it's in you because of your mother. And it was in your mother because of your grandmother. So this whole thing, you're part of something much bigger. The fire of God in you came from your parents, from your family line. They were devoted to God and now God is calling you to to worship Him and serve Him in the same way. Fanning the flame, that passion, that fire. Because you are not to walk in in fear. You You are to walk in power, love. And self-discipline. So think of your mama, think of your nana, think of their faith, and find inspiration in that. Now, honey, how important is this for us to understand that what we live for, whether faith or fear, is passed down to the next generation?
0: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it's really important. I mean, most of us in the room are. It, are reacting to our families in some way, right? We are either running away from what you saw at home, going, I will never become that. I'm never going to do that to my kids. I don't, you know, you saw something modeled that you want to run away from. Or you saw something modeled that was good, but you didn't learn the value of it until you're much older, right? Because we have that tendency, those few years in between, where we're like, "Eh, it was normal, that's all I know. I yeah. grew up in this, and so this is the normal. This is what families are like, right? Yeah. I think in both instances, you really only realize what you want or don't want much later in life, yeah. right? Because as a kid, you don't know any better. But like, if you're like me, what I saw in my grandmother, I knew we couldn't replicate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we weren't gonna
1: same t- with take my, that down. Same with my dad's side. Like, yeah. my, I, I've shared this here. Like, my grandfather was a drunk. Yeah. but you talk to my brothers and us, we were proud of our German heritage. Mm-hmm. So you look like 100 years later, oh, my great-great-grandfather came from oh, yeah. Germany. Those that you know nothing yeah. about and are really, and, really and far away. And you honor that, but then it's hard for you to honor the, the, what you see because you see the humanity right there. Yeah. Right?
0: So you're either doing that. You're either running away and going, I don't want this, or finally you get to a point in your life where you go, they did some stuff right. Yeah. And that stuff that they did... I do want to pass down to my kids. I do want yeah. to, you know, emulate. Um, so are, you hold on to what's godly,
1: yeah. right?
0: And you let go of what's ungodly. Yeah. That's, you hold on to what you found in them that was good. But be mindful that just as you have received from your past generations, just as you live, I mean, because a lot of what we do is project, Right. And we say this often, like as a parent or as an adult, you're projecting a lot of your family stuff. And so be mindful that whatever you're doing, you are passing that on to someone else as well. You know, we like to think that, oh, I'm going to make these decisions, but it's just about me and I'm living for me. And you know what? But it's not. We are always passing things on. Yeah. We're passing to our children. We're passing to our friends. We're passing to those around us. Like, you can see in a group of friends even, which is really interesting, they all start to behave kind of the yeah. same, right? There's yeah. this, like, fusion of the way you speak and the way you act. And it's like we are passing what we have in our hearts and, yeah. in, and what's been instilled in us to the ne- people, and to you the next might generation. And you might
1: not have kids because you're young or because you just decided not to. And maybe that's, you know, that's, it's fine. But you have people that are looking up to you yeah. you 're influencing people right now, every single one of you, yeah. the, from the youngest to the to the mature and well lived uh, we're all we all have people that are looking up to us and that we 're influencing
0: yes we 're always influencing and you know I was talking to a friend this week, and I was telling we were you know talking about everything going on, and one of the things I told her was one of the most haunting passages in scripture for me personally is found in Judges, in Judges 2 verse 10 and 11. It says, "In all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals." I thought, you have this generation who serves the Lord, Right. Who gives their life the for Joshua God. Generation. The Joshua yeah. generation. And they say, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. Right. Next generation comes around who saw that and it was like, okay, cool. But that generation did not teach their kids. What they saw from their parents and their grandparents, they just didn't teach them. The stories didn't go on. The the miracles weren't shared. And all of a sudden arose a third generation who knew nothing of God. And then started to do evil because if we don't know the Lord, that is our response, right? Our response is selfishness. If we don't know the Lord, our response is to be whatever we feel like we want to be. And to me, that's so daunting that every generation has a responsibility yeah. to, like, share what the Lord has done in their lives. And it's not a call, like, not every generation needs to preach. You know, like, not every generation needs to be, like, Meaning on stage. Yeah. yeah, like, you don't have to be we on stage. We're preaching all the time. Yeah. But, like, you don't have to be... Oh, no, I have to be a pastor because I need to. No, no, that's not what I'm, I mean, what I'm saying is we all have a responsibility to share what God has done in our lives.
1: That's a great point because sometimes we actually, we think, oh, that deserves that, that's that's that responsibility to that office. Yeah, yeah. we
0: relinquish the job to someone yeah. else where, in fact, yeah. it is each and one of us, you know, each yeah. of us has the responsibility to share just what God's done in your life. You don't have to make things up. You don't have to know the scriptures from, you know, top to bottom to like be able. I can't share yet because I don't know everything. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is sharing what God is doing yeah. in your life,
1: and and the realization that we are part of a continuum. Every single one of us, we're part of a continuum, and and we are we are placed in this time, for a purpose. You might be wondering, like, why why am I here, or why was I born in this? God placed you here for a purpose. You were built, designed, and empowered, to be here, and. This might be a difficult idea for us to grasp, but let me speak some faith into you because I believe you're going to live a long life, a long life. And whether there are things from your parents that you want to honor and see continue, or there are things from your family line that you actually are actively walking away from, because we all have different pasts, we all have different uh, roots, and there might be some, some realities that you, some people that might have come from a, a Place where man, I don't want to repeat that, and that's that might be accurate, and and God can can help you build a new life, break so those curses, walk away from it. But the point is, it doesn't end with you. Whatever God is showing to you right now, that you should walk away from, whatever He's working in. Sometimes we're so like, we're so amazed at the freedom, the things that God does in us we forget it's not just for you he's going to use you to bless the next generation so that the freedom that he's bringing you through the healing that he's operating in you is so that it can serve the next generation and that we can have healed people transformed people and that the next generation may do better not like the Joshua generation that that forsook their responsibility and the following generation did worse What's the importance of healing in order that you may look back in a, in a, in a healthy way?
0: Well, because pain is loud. Mm. And pain is consuming. Right? And when you are bleeding, you will definitely bleed all over everybody else and not realize. You, you can't see past that. Yeah. And so it's important to, at some point, sit Like hurt people, we hear we hear this often. Hurt people, hurt people, Mm. right? Reality is, because it's just it's all consuming, and all you can do is just deal and survive that. And so, if you allow the Lord to heal you from those things that have happened, especially as it pertains to family and generation that you know goes with you, um, if you allow Him to heal you, you're then able to look with a perspective of even gratitude for some lessons. Yeah. Gratitude for some places that you've been and that you're going and that you, now you're able to see mm. and separate from who you are. Yeah. Healing will then separate identity. Yeah. You're no longer that. You don't have to behave in that way because you're not that pain. Yeah. You have been designed in the image of God and now you can live out of the, the And it healing. gives you the
1: freedom to separate also who your parents were, who your grandparents were from their sin. Because you were separated from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. God delivers you from your sin. And you can see clearly the part that was you, designed by him, made by him, and the part that was the sin operating in you and twisting the, the, his, his purpose for your life.
0: And healing brings about forgiveness.
1: Yes. And then you can see that if there's any area in family members that you, you, you it hurt you and, and you walked away from it, When God heals you, you can look back and say, man, that was messed up. That wasn't good. But I understand why. It was sin operating in their lives. And I can still pick through all that mess and see uh, the good. And somehow find a way to honor.
0: Yeah. It brings forgiveness and restoration in relationships, right?
1: Yeah. In other words, it is good for you to have your own relationship with God. But it's not good for you to keep your relationship with God your own. We have to have this mindset that whatever God is doing in us, we're going to pass it on. We're going to become a model for other people. And we are right now a model for other people. Now, why does this matter? Why is it important for us to highlight Lois and Eunice? Why is it important for us to pay attention to the fact that the ministry of Timothy and What Paul was speaking to him had everything to do with the fact that he was a man who was young, but he was mature in faith. Because he not only had the faith that he developed, he had the faith that he learned from his grandmother and his mother. So he had multi-generational faith built in to his life experience, which God was able to use to cause him to become a pastor and lead people that are much older than him. And that's why Paul later says in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in that letter, he says, uh, don't, don't, dis, don't despise your youth. Don't, don't dismiss your youth. Don't, don't shy away from doing the work of God because you're so young. God can use you to lead others because your faith is strong. See, you might not have a, a heritage of faith, but you can start one. And that's the point that we start a heritage of faith. That we become the people that says, in my life, in my house, we're going to have a heritage of faith. In my neighborhood, in my family, the people that I work with, we're going to have a heritage of faith that is renewed and transformed. Why does this matter? Because we, we, this week we are all shook by the, the events that happened in Texas, and now we're going to we're going to dive a little bit in this in this thing because I feel like there are questions and conflict that that happens in the heart of so many, uh, when, it, when it pertains to God.
0: Yeah, right? I mean, when terrible things happen to good people, everybody questions.
1: Everybody questions. And we didn't even have time to really recover from Buffalo. And now this happened in Texas. Um, the immediate question that I ask as a pastor is like, what can we do as a church? What's our role? Um, and to think of parents in Ovalde that are now having that tremendous, tremendous uh, gaping hole in their hearts, um, was just thinking, what can we do for them? And there's a lot that we can do for them, but then the thinking evolved. I felt like God led us to think of our communities at large. And you know what? I encourage you, participate in the civic process, be a citizen, democracy exists for a reason, Keep your elected officials in check. Be a citizen. Your voice matters. Your concerns and ideas matter. You might not have the same ideas as somebody else has, but we need the conversation. We need the conversation. You might, be, you might have a solution that is completely different than somebody else's solution. Don't despise them for it. That's what democracy is. We talk about it. We, com- we, we converse, right? But as a church... And as your pastor, I'll say this, we cannot delegate our part, our spiritual part, the part that is ours. Because we can, it's easy for us to point to Washington and D.C. and the elected officials and say it's them. They need to do something. We still have a part, sure. We, we, we can hold people accountable, but we have a part. Was this massacre demonic? Yes, it was. Was the man who did it responsible? Yes, he was. Did he deserve what he got? I think so. I think the punishment fit the crime. Was it God's will for this to happen? These are questions that people ask. No, it was not God's will. And things happen outside of a God's will all the time. It was not God's will for this to happen you got to understand that God suffers too. Scripture tells us that God suffers. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 63 verse 8 and 9, it says that in all their suffering, he also suffered. Talking about God. And he personally rescued them. This is Jesus coming. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. God sent his son into the world because the suffering of the world causes God to suffer. And so he sent salvation. Now you can ask, where was God? Scripture says that He's near the brokenhearted. So I believe He was there, ever present. But why didn't God stop? And this is the big question, right? The big existential question that we ask and we wrestle with our faith. Why didn't God stop? Well, if you know the Scriptures, especially the Hebrew Scriptures, you know that God has stopped evil in the world in the past. In fact, Uh, There is a story in the Bible that says that humanity was all but extinct at one point because it was so evil. And it's the story of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. It talks about uh, how the Lord saw the wickedness of man, of mankind, and it was so great in the earth that every in the thoughts of his heart was only Evil continually. Could you ever, could you think about living in a place like that? Where every intention of every person is always evil? How they can take advantage of people, how they can hurt people, what they can do. Imagine living in a world like that. So verse 6 it says, And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and he grieved him on his heart. He was sorry that he made man. He was grieved because of all the evil that was being done. Chapter seven, uh, verse 7, so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and animals and creeping things and birds and heavens, for I am sorry that I have made him, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. So imagine, but there's something that happened in that story. And in the story, some people believe it was literally that's what happened. Other people believe it's an allegory that the scripture is telling us. I'll explain in a minute what is our uh, or how we should approach this. But Genesis 8 verse 20 and 21, a couple chapters later, it explains. that Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I strike down every living creature as I have done. So Noah came and offered, and that made God, basically uh, in our terms, I'm going to use a human term here, have hope for mankind and he said i will never again blot out mankind so what does that mean for us that we have to make sacrifices now that we have to sacrifice our puppies and try to you know make peace with god no that's not what it means it's a spiritual principle he offered god the good of the land he said everything that's good needs to be god's so that it can remain good that's the spiritual principle. He was mind of, mindful of God. And then God said this, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man his own image. So that was God's, that's called the Noah covenant. God made a covenant with Noah and with mankind. And he renewed his covenant. And he said, I will never again uh, shed human blood if people shed human blood, that person needs to be judged by people. So that's where we get the the, the, the principle that, that was part of God's covenant with mankind. So if you're new to the Bible, and this is, you know, like J.D., this is a bit unclear, and I, I can't get past the flood, and the ark, and the animals, and where were the dinosaurs, and, you know... <laughs> Uh, the sacrifices, like, what is that? Like really a lion and a cheetah and all of those animals that, you know, where were all they? You have to understand this. The primary point of the scriptures is not to show historicity or scientific accuracy. The point of the scriptures is to show us God's character. So here's God's character. He could have killed every single person. He didn't. Saved the world through Noah. Second part, he said, I will not again blot out mankind. Evil will have, will have to be dealt by man and with man. And with this, we understand this that God can, yeah, we'd say that everything is in God's control, right? That God is in control. But what is the thing that God can't control?
0: He won't control your heart.
1: God can't control our hearts.
0: He won't control the will of man, right?
1: Because he has decided. You remember two weeks ago, or two Sundays ago, we talked about choosing curse versus choosing blessing. And if you choose the curse, that's what you get. If you choose death, that's what you get. Because God made that covenant with us, he can't go back on his word. So he he can't lie. So he can't control the hearts of men. And if he began to control our hearts, are we even people anymore?
0: There's no freedom, right? There's no freedom to love. There's no
1: freedom. To, no freedom to be.
0: To be.
1: So what did God do? He sent us His law. He sent us His Son. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And he defeated the grave. He gave us eternal life. And he gave us a new mode of living. Everything is taken care of. All we need to do as human beings is to choose him, is to choose his way. So why didn't God stop the gunman in Texas or, in Buffalo, or, in or evil people in the world? Oh, he did, in a way. He did through people who chose to do good. The tragedy happened, but it didn't keep happening because good people showed up and said, this is enough. We're going to stop it right here. But make no mistake, evil can corrupt the hearts of man to the point that we can do horrible, horrible things. It's our reality. And when we come face to face with it, we can't point at God and say, it's your fault. We have to understand, it's our responsibility. It's on us. There's... There's evil happening in the world. There's evil that has happened in the world. What has happened in the fall of Kabul just a few months ago in Afghanistan, it was evil. People being killed in Afghanistan. It's happening right now in the Ukraine. There's a war happening there. Bombs flying overhead. It's evil in the world. Why? Because people have chosen that. There has been corruption. Corruption. So I believe that this is, this is our call. That even though God cannot control evil in the human heart, and that whatever happens in our heart, it's for us to decide. Scripture has given us a path forward. What does it say in Romans 12? That we should not overcome evil with evil, but we overcome evil with? good. We, we overcome evil with? good. We overcome evil with good. It takes the hearts of people who choose good to eradicate evil from the world. It takes people choosing good to influence people that are, that are vulnerable to evil and bring them to repentance and bring them to make good decisions. And this is central to the gospel. This is central remember this jesus was born jesus was not born in a peaceful era he was born in judea when herod the king said oh the the savior of the jewish people was born let's kill every single baby from two years and younger just think about that we can't read in the scriptures and think oh that's you know that's uh um what is it a fable a fable? it's mythological no it's yeah. it's that happened
0: the historical
1: yeah. that happened no, we think it's horrific and we feel the weight of a tragedy and it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. But Jesus came to the world in an in era where the world was so corrupt. The king, the leader of the world, the leader of that region sent soldiers to execute children. In their homes. In their homes. And he came to change that. He came to change the world. And that's what, why Paul was stirring up Timothy. You want to read the next pa- passage, Love? Yes.
0: Uh, 2 Timothy 1, 8-10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God saved us and called us to to a holy calling not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in christ jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our savior jesus christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel
1: yeah so what do we do what's our part how can we manifest This life that Jesus came to bring that Scripture says. He abolished death. He brought life, immortality through the gospel. Like This is a real thing. It's not a religious thing. It's not a faith box.
0: We do with Eunice and Lois did. We share our faith. We make sure that the people around us and the people that are gleaning from us, that we make sure that they are... um, being faith-filled, that yeah. are they're being growing in the knowledge of Jesus and who He is. I mean, here's a reality, right? In times like this, when things like this happen, we're all thinking about the families, and we're thinking about what what can we do for them. Yeah,
1: what gesture can what we, gesture yeah.
0: can we do? And by all means, we love people and we do that. I'm not. It's it's yes and, yeah, okay. But we have a responsibility. There is a responsibility. To say not in my watch Mm. right a responsibility to do what to change our homes to change our families because this is not one isolated incident this is a matter of hearts that have been corrupted that are hurting of families that are not um, functioning the way God designed families to function and so what do I do I make sure that my home My family, the people around me know the truth of the gospel and are filled with compassion, with love, with understanding, with the things that are of the spirit of God that produces life and not death. Mm -hmm. What this kid, he's a kid, did and what many of these kids and other, if you look at the history and you know, it's lost people without purpose without direction i'm not excusing behavior i'm not saying i'm not doing i'm just saying that our responsibility as christ followers is to produce in others the same hope we have is to produce and to share with others because otherwise a generation will arise that does not know the lord or the works that he has done Mm -hmm. there is no other way for the gospel to keep going and for jesus to keep changing people's lives other than you yeah. Your responsibility is to share that. It yeah. is our responsibility to get into our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our uh, places of work. It is our responsibility to represent. Yeah. You know, how else will they find light?
1: Mm.
0: How else will a world that is all about themselves, all about what they're feeling, behave? Yeah. Like, unless you have some other source of truth. See, unless you have something to stand on that's bigger than yourself, you will behave in a way that's animalistic, which is what? About me and my needs, my immediate physical needs, emotional needs, whatever those are. This is what we revert to, right? Mm -hmm. But it is our responsibility, each one of us, which we cannot delegate to everybody else. We cannot say, let's just change policy out there. Look, yes, policies need to be changed. I'm not... But... Families need to be changed. Hearts need to be changed. People living and serving Jesus, that needs to change. Our families, our communities are made strong. Good communities come from individuals who decide to stand and to love and to turn the other cheek, Mm. right? They decide to bear um, sufferings for the name of Jesus. Like, strong communities and loving communities are built out of individuals. And here's the thing, if we don't engage... There is a world of social media engaging with our children, with our young folks, with our youth, with, you know, like they. Can I also say we don't relinquish the responsibility to two hours on a Sunday morning to the kids ministry? Yeah, it's two hours on a Sunday morning, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're doing everything we can to instill and to teach the Bible and show our kids. But the reality is they are spending hours watching videos and talking to friends and going to school, and being taught all kinds of things, that is way louder, yeah. right? And so it is our responsibility to make sure that we are, I mean, and it's not Bible-thumping or pushing on, on No, but right? if we but don't
1: share the good news, somebody sharing. else will share their news. Oh,
0: yeah, and their Whatever news that are is. usually not good.
1: No. Their drama. The, and the younger generation, all of us actually, but especially those that are younger, they're being discipled right now constantly by the devices that are on their, on their pockets. They're being discipled by TikTok, Instagram, video games, YouTube, and you name it. And you can have somebody across the world today teaching kids how to use uh, violent video games, for example. Is just one example, which the American Psychology Association has. Concluded that high levels of violent video game exposure have produced, uh, the, have been link, linked to delinquency, fighting in school, and uh, violent behavior. Which, of course, that's what you're feeding in your spirit. That's what's going to come out. So, like Alini said, love can't be legislated. We have, as, as people of God, we have to understand that our faith is not private. It, it's not. We are being told that it, it's meant to be private. It's not private because it's who we are. Our faith is part of our, of, of, of our values, how we see the world. And it's not about to come wherever you are in, the, in your office or schools and say, all right, you know, live like me. But we bring the love of God. We bring healing. We show people that there's hope for tomorrow. We show them that this is not the end. We show them that when they are lonely, that they can have a friend. We show them that if if they're, if they're facing despair, there's hope. Because people in despair make bad choices. People in despair, when they have no hope, they throw caution to the wind. And we are the ones that bring in and say, hey, listen, let me pray for you. Let me tell you, there's hope. Let me tell you, God loves you. Let me tell you, there's a brighter tomorrow and you can be that voice that can change people around you in your job your your people that you office with in your family people that are acting erratic and you go like man what can i do you pray for them you share their faith and that's what paul was encouraging timothy to do right Want me to read the next you one? You
0: then, my child. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Mm. And an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. I think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding of everything.
1: Yes. We share in suffering, but we understand that we have a higher call. See, I, I love that he said, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please everyone who enlisted him. I had a question this week that kept bugging me. Um, I, was, I was wondering, and I asked friends who are, know the Bible better than I do and who are like the, theologians, and, and I, I asked friends that wrestle with the Scriptures too, uh, I was like, why did Jesus never preach against crucifixion? He certainly saw people crucified. It was torture. It was an inhumane way to Applied justice. And there's all sorts of other atrocities that he might have seen. And sure, he stopped a woman from being stoned. That's because he was, it, it was a question of the law. He didn't stop every person from being stoned. And stonings happened those days. And I realized something. Jesus, he kept his focus on what you should do. He didn't waste his ministry trying to stand up to try to like... Now listen, listen to this carefully, right? Because I'm not saying that you shouldn't participate. I'm saying that the best way to change the world is to show the way. Is to be an example. And that's what he did. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm showing a new way to live. And like I said, we vote, we participate in democracy. And trust me, every time that there is something this big in our nation, it becomes political and it becomes divisive and it becomes something that is used for, for elections and politics. And I don't want us to miss the moment. And miss and waste the pain and the suffering. And think, man, you know, if this happens again, then we get all outraged again. And then everything becomes a mess. What can we do? Well, we we have the greatest news of the world has ever seen. We have the greatest solution for this. We abide in Christ. We preach the good news. We do like Jesus. And we do what Paul urged his disciple to do he said listen you don't live by fear you don't you don't you are not guided by a spirit of fear you have the spirit of god which is the spirit of power of love and of self-discipline you can not only set the way you can share the good news you can tell people that there is hope and listen we're obviously focusing on this horrible thing that has happened Uh, uh, these two or three things that have happened but there are people suffering around you right now and it might not make it a headline it might not make it the news but it'll come you know it and so today what we're trying to remind you is to urge you that the solution is within you the solution is the presence of God the spirit of God That gives you power, love, and self-discipline. You should add to those three things.
0: (laughs) I have. It's in my arms. (laughs) Um, I think we all have a part to play, right? We are here in this time for this season to impact the, the community and the people around us. and. Our encouragement of more than anything this morning with everything is, um, don't succumb to the hopelessness of the world. Yeah. You have hope within you. And that hope um, is to actually serve your community, is to serve those around you, to, en- to engage and not disengage. To, you know, it's easy for us and like when, it gets, when it feels like this to feel hopeless and just kind of like, I just want to talk to nobody and tuck away. This is our moment. To bring the gospel into the world. This is our moment to um, call the power of God into our communities and our cities, to love people like they've never been loved before. They don't, right? And to um, incorporate self discipline. Like God has given us that. There are disciplines in place for ourselves and for others. People need to be disciplined as well. Like it's a lot of lack of discipline that causes people to do this. This stuff
1: too. Oh, I think that we can relate to Timothy because Timothy lived in trying times. Worse than ours. And much worse than ours. And I think that these three elements, right? Power means God is greater. Mm -hmm.
0: That's
1: what it means. God is greater than all this. And we can rest in that. Love means love is the solution. It's, it's, It's what's going to save people. And that's how we lift people up. We don't come with judgment. We come with love. And self discipline means we stay the course. Yes. We keep going. We don't lose hope. We stay the course and we stay strong. Mm-hmm. And I believe that God has called us to rise, stand up in His Spirit, and share the good news of the gospel that's in us. Mm-hmm. God will take care of you. He'll take care of your things. Can you take care of His children? Remember when uh, Jesus came uh, back from the dead and He was having breakfast with His disciples? on the beach, and there was one disciple that had denied him three times. His name was Peter. He had denied Jesus. He actually had gone back to fishing. He said, I'm going to go back to my old profession because certainly I've, I've expired. My, my chances are gone. And Jesus specifically looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And he asked again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, I love you. And he asked a third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. Jesus told him, then feed my sheep. Take care of my people. Take care of my people. So we show God our love for him. If we take care of His people, He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your needs. Sometimes we can come to God and thank God. Look at me. Pay attention to me. And it's important to bring your petitions to God. But you bring your petitions to God, you release in faith. And then you change the world. You look for those around you. Amen? Awesome. Thank you for listening today.
0: If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.